This is episode 95 of the Magic Detective Podcast. On this episode, you'll hear about the life of Eddie Joseph. That and more on this episode of the Magic Detective Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Magic Detective Podcast, your podcast home for magic history. I'm your host, Dean Carnegie. I am the Magic Detective, and this is episode 95. So much magic in the news these days. Anna de Guzman almost won America's Got Talent. There were a lot of magic acts this year on AGT, and kudos to them all. Congratulations to everybody, especially Anna. Uh, our friend John Cox won the Milbourne Christopher Award, and uh, but decided that that wasn't in good enough, <laughs> and went on a self-proclaimed ambassador's tour, where he basically visited a ton of Houdini sites in the region that he was in. Uh, he wrote about it on his blog, which is a must-see and read, and uh, it kind of reminds me that I need to do the same thing here in Nashville, where I am currently, because I did it back in... D.C. where I used to live, so um, who knows, maybe you'll see something like that from me in the very near future. It is October, it's Magic Month, and I have a huge announcement to make, except I can't make it yet. <laughs> it's going to have to wait till the next episode, but um, uh, it has something to do with Houdini. That's the only hint I'm going to give Now, as to today's podcast, this sort of came about Almost by accident, um, someone had posted a photo on one of the Facebook magic groups um, asking about a certain type of escape apparatus, and I saw the post on my phone. And when I saw the picture, I knew instantly what it was, but I realized, hey, I don't really know the history of this particular prop. So I decided to go ahead and do a little bit of research and look it up, and I found out what it was, and then I was about to uh, go on that same page and post, here's, hey, here's what it is, here's the history of it. Uh, but <laughs> when I went back to the page, I saw that same picture in a larger view, and I realized, oh, this isn't what I thought it was. <laughs> so I really couldn't make a comment to that. But then I, I began to realize, well, you know, this particular prop... Um, has a unique, kind of a unique history. And it got me thinking about how, you know, folks like Jay Marshall, of course, has passed. And recently, Max Maven has passed away. And these guys, they knew everything about magic and the, the origins of, of particular tricks. And we're, we're going to be losing that soon if we're not careful. And this, at least uh, by doing some research on this, I was able to find out what the history of this thing was. So that's where, uh, that's where this podcast began. But then when I started to research into the life of this individual, I, I was really pleasantly surprised how um, he was kind of what I would consider a hidden gem. I had really not known anything about him, even though it turns out I have one booklet by him in my collection. And um, Jim Steinmeier references him in one of his Impossibilities books. So clearly other people knew about him, but I didn't. So um, I'm going to share with you uh, a little bit about that gentleman today. So let's get started in today's podcast. Mm -hmm. 
As I just mentioned, today's individual is a hidden gem, someone very new to me, but he's not really new to the magic world. And I think older generations are probably going to be familiar with him. Eddie Joseph was his name. Eddie was born December 3rd, 1899 in Calcutta, India. His interest in magic came early, but it really took off when he witnessed a performance by the great Nicola. And by the way, I will be featuring Nicola in an episode during season six. Suffice to say, Nicola traveled with a huge show of magic and illusions and presented quite the spectacle. An article in the New Tops, by the way, later in Eddie's life, says that his interest in magic began around age 14 and doesn't mention Nicola specifically, but does say that uh, he had seen people like Carter the Great, Nicola, and others. So it kind of lists uh, an additional illusionist in that mix. And he saw these acts numerous times, not just once. So all of this, no doubt, spurred on his interest in magic. And he became a part-timer at the age of 18. It wasn't until he was 45 that he turned professional. So in his 40s, he decided that, well, the magic life was for him. No doubt he was very popular as a part-timer, which led to this decision. Eddie Joseph began corresponding and writing for Magic Magazines rather early. His first contributions appeared, actually his very first one, appeared in the Linking Ring, September 1927, with uh, two different effects in that issue. Later, Eddie wrote a booklet on cups and balls that apparently had some rather unusual um, slights and such in it. He sent it to Percy Abbott. Not even sure if Percy would be interested in the thing. And turns out that Percy liked it so much, he published and started selling it before he even wrote back to Eddie. And that would establish a very long-term relationship between Eddie Joseph and Abbott's Magic Company. They would publish many of his books, and from what I understand, there were over 70 of them. In fact, as I was researching Eddie, I discovered something that really surprised me. And it turns out that Eddie Joseph back in the 1930s was doing magic over the radio. And not just once. He did it over 30 times, 30 different broadcasts. He did magic over the radio. He created numerous effects. Now, if we fast forward to today, we just wrapped up our pandemic days when magicians began to do virtual shows over the internet and included these interactive magic tricks that felt like something brand new. Um, but turns out that Eddie Joseph was doing this same thing 90, near, nearly 100 years ago, um, long before our pandemic came around. And then I remembered... That's where I had first seen the name Eddie Joseph. It was in one of the Impossibilities books by Jim Steinmeier. He mentions Eddie Joseph in there. And then I had to dig a little deeper, and um, I decided to go ahead and purchase some of Eddie's booklets, which, believe it or not, are still available. Uh, there was one that was called Mail Mentalism. Now, that's mail as in the Postal Service, not the gender. Apparently, Eddie was also using these radio techniques that he had created 
um, to do essentially postal mentalism as well. He would write letters to individuals that had all the instructions in them, and they could sit down with the letter and follow along with the instructions and do these particular tricks. Now, I was aware in the past that there were some there were some phone tricks. I think we used to call them. Uh, they were very. Um, uh, there were only two that I knew of, and they were kind of uh, hokey. Um, and I knew that there were some radio tricks, but not really a lot of that. I just had no idea who started this trend, and I had no idea that it went back, like I said, nearly a hundred years ago. This was an amazing discovery. Back to Eddie's career, he was honored to perform at the Silver Jubilee Show for King George V. That's a feather in your cap right there. In 1945, Eddie Joseph turned professional. He played many exclusive clubs and party dates in and around Bombay. He created a two-person mentalism act with his wife, Sarah. And the write-ups point to the fact that his act uses no apparatus only borrowed objects. Also a special note that his mental act was presented very fast. And this is kind of an important note for back then. Mentalism had had a reputation for being very slow and drawn out. And here was Eddie Joseph doing a very quick uh, mentalism act. Very impressive. During World War II, he was drafted and sent to entertain the troops, both British and American military. Eddie and his wife, Sarah, had two daughters, Esther and Hazel, both of whom, I'm assuming, could very possibly be alive today. My main interest in Eddie Joseph was a creation of his that he debuted sometime in the early 1950s. It was an in-and-out type of escape routine. The origins of the in-and-out routines must lay firmly at the feet of fake spiritualists and mediums who would be secured to chairs and other devices and somehow be free moments later, and yet seem to be securely restrained a moment later. Uh, those early mediums used rope, but eventually other things like shackles and chains and locks and handcuffs uh, and things like that. Uh, but for who did it first, I, I don't know. Uh, I'd likely say that it was some magician doing an anti-spiritualist act who stumbled upon the whole comedy aspect but who that particular person is, uh, I don't know. What I do know is this. Eddie's routine used a particular item. An oblong rounded bar of metal with two short lengths of chain at each end. Basically that oblong thing in the middle with a big loop. So a loop with um, two chains at one end, two chains at the other end that uh, uh, padlocks would go into. The, that loop in the middle acted as a spreader bar to keep your hands apart. And the wrists are locked, like I said, at each end on those padlocks. And all of it can be examined. Technically, there's nothing gimmicked to this piece at all. In Eddie Joseph's case, he had his wrists locked behind his back. Yet only seconds after he was locked up, he turns and he faces the audience. One hand is free. He puts his hand back behind his back, turns around again to show the audience that he is still secured. This occurs several times before both hands are released. Apparently, this was a big comedy hit for Eddie Joseph. So much so that a short time later, 
Abbott's Magic and other dealers in the United States started started selling unauthorized versions of the Escape. Can you imagine that? Somebody ripping off your item, knocking it off. Hmm, what a shocker. Uh, this forced Eddie to put it on the market himself. This time he chose Max Andrews, a London magic dealer, to sell his exclusive Escape, and it was titled The Electronic Release. A very exciting sounding effect, except Electronics had nothing to do with the escape, so it was a unique choice of a title. Eddie Joseph was not the first to do an in-and-out style escape, as I mentioned. The Keller rope tie, named after our illustrious Harry Keller, allows for in-and-out type of routines, and this was based upon the old spirit ties of yesteryear. In the early 1960s, a young escape artist from Oakland, California... Steve Baker, known as Mr. Escape, started selling a version that he called the French Transport Chains. His contribution to the effect was actually slimming down the loop. Now, some would argue that this was not an improvement as it slows down the escape time. But Steve would go on to use this method in numerous escapes. One in particular, what he called the Race for Life, which involved Steve having his wrists and legs chained to the side of a car. Off in the distance was another automobile that would come speeding down the road to crash into Steve in 10 seconds unless he was able to free himself. It was an incredible effect that he performed numerous times on TV and at special outdoor events. And the technique had something to do with the technique used in the electronic release. The electronic release, as created by Eddie Joseph, is more commonly used today in conjunction with the substitution trunk effect. There have been other adaptations of the method. Uh, one, a unique spirit post effect that Alan Wakeling created. And also speaking of Alan Wakeling, there's a wonderful escape routine using the electronic release in the Alan Wakeling book by Jim Steinmeier. Another interesting book by Eddie Joseph was called The Invisible Influence, a hands-free card act. And basically, it's a number of effects that can be presented by the performer without, without him or her touching the cards. The spectators do all the work. Not exactly radio magic, but it works well in live performances, and it's quite ingenious. Unbeknownst to me, my first exposure to Eddie was his book, The Art of Body Loading and Productions. And this is really, um, it's a lost art. I remember reading about this type of thing in the Tarbell course, but Eddie put out a whole booklet on it. Essentially, it has to do with a performer. He could reach into some a layperson's jacket and produce all manner of unusual items. And you know, one of them was like a string of hot dogs or a baby bottle. Even even a rabbit or birds were popular. Uh, this type of thing is not seen today. It's something that I've considered putting in my own show, but I haven't done it yet. Um, but um, I mentioned that this was my first exposure to Eddie. That's because I had that booklet. I just didn't realize who had written the booklet. Eddie covered a number of topics in his books and articles, card tricks, mentalism, general magic, um, 
all the way to pickpocketing for entertainment. And then there was the book that was called The Art of Eddie Joseph with a ton of materials. This was written by someone else. By the way, all of these are still available in digital form from library.com. Now that's spelled L-Y-B-R-A-R-Y.com. And uh, the uh, the booklet that I had uh, that I mentioned, The Invisible Influence, I got that there. And I got the Male Mentalism, I got there. I think they were like $4. They're relatively inexpensive. And you get a digital PDF version of, uh, of the books. It's really a, a great resource. When Eddie moved to London in the 1950s, he changed his performing name to Eddie Jason. But he appear, it appears that he was still Eddie Joseph in India. Why the name changed that, I don't know. Eddie continued to put out material in magazines and booklets throughout his life. He was kind of the Max Maven of his day in that regard. One of his most popular effects was called Premonition. And in this effect, he would toss out a deck of cards and he would ask someone to think of a card, only think of it. And once they had one in mind, they were instructed to open up the box of cards and go through it and find that card, only to discover that the box contained 51 cards, not 52. The missing card was theirs. Not only that, Eddie would then quickly reach into his jacket pocket and remove that one single thought of card. Really remarkable. Eddie Joseph died in London in 1974. He left behind an enormous amount of material, some 70 books on magic and many magic effects that are still popular today. Now, I wanted to finish the podcast today a little bit differently, so I'm going to present to you a piece of magic created by Eddie Joseph. Obviously, if you're driving, you'll have to save this for later, but please try it out if you would. Just, again, not while you're driving, you're not going to be able to do it. But if you're sitting down in your office or the kitchen table or whatever, we're going to have some fun right now. Okay, we're going to do some magic over the podcast. Podcast magic, incredible. You're going to need five objects. These can be coins, Cards, pencils, batteries, buttons, whatever, five objects, five playing cards if you want to, it, just five objects, okay? It's best if, uh, if, if you can find four that are the same and one that's different, that's probably going to be best. But if, they're, if each one is different, if you've got five different objects, that'll work too, okay? So once you have your find five objects... What I'll need you to do is line them up in a row in front of you, okay? So you've got one, two, three, four, five lined up in front of you. Now, one thing we will have to do uh, from left to right, we're going to give each one of these a number, okay? So the item on the far left side, that will be obviously number one, the next item number two, the next item number three, and so on down the line. You want to remember the, uh, the number of your chosen object. All right, so going back to if you have four objects and one oddball, the oddball is going to be your chosen object, okay? 
Um, if you've got five objects that are different, then just remember the position of of where your um, the one you chose is. Okay, hopefully, hopefully that makes sense to everybody. Hopefully you are all on board with me here. All right. So I'm going to assume everybody has your five objects out. I'm going to assume you've chosen one and you, you remembered the number of the position that that is. That number is just you're going to be your secret number. So if we're all ready, we're going to continue. So what I want you to do is take the object that is on your far left-hand side, pick it up and move it all the way over to the far right-hand side. Now, take the next item on the far left-hand side and move that all the way over to the far right-hand side. Next, do you remember your secret number, the one that I mentioned a couple minutes ago? Whatever that number is, you'll move that many objects one at a time from the left side to the right side. Okay? So, in other words, if your number was two, you'll move two objects from the far left-hand side to the far right-hand side. So go ahead and do that now. Have you done all that? Great. All right, look at the row as it's positioned now. And I want you to remove the object on the far right-hand side. Just eliminate that. Take that one completely out of the picture. Okay, now I want you to take the two objects on the far left-hand side and eliminate those. Take those out of the picture as well. So you're going to be left with two objects, okay? All right, take your finger and put it on the object on the right and slide that one out of the way. You should be left with one item, and that one is your chosen item. And you can thank the amazing Eddie Joseph for that incredible piece of virtual podcast magic. <laughs> pretty, pretty cool. All right. So this month is Magic Month. It's October. And I think this is going to be the official end of Season 5 Um Season six will be starting very, very soon, but I have to mention a couple things very quickly. First off, uh, the um, I mentioned back in June I had some T-shirts available, and I know I gave one away as a prize. I think we sold a, a few, and then I put everything on hold. I didn't mention the T-shirts again. Uh, basically, my T-shirt guy went out of town for vacation, and I, I wanted to um, wait until... I got back to start promoting everything again. What we're going to do, because this is Magic Month, is the uh, the T-shirts on the site are on sale. Okay. So, um, and why do I have T-shirts? Well, the reason I decided to go ahead and do a T-shirt to begin with was, uh, one, so, you know, a, a lot of times uh, fans of the podcast will ask if we have this kind of thing. I think, I think two people had asked about that. Um, but also it helps me to, um, uh, help pay for the podcast because everything that, um, 
you hear, it comes out of my pocket. I have to pay every month to keep the podcast alive. If I stop paying, all 94, 95 episodes disappear from the internet. So in order to keep everything going, it, it's um, this will raise a little bit of money along the way. But as I mentioned, uh, in the month of October, the t-shirt is on sale. So uh, we've dropped the price a little bit. And um, how do you get a t-shirt? Well, I'm glad you asked. If you go to magichistorian.com, that's magichistorian.com, that'll take you over to the t-shirt site, okay? And we have everything from small to, I think, triple X. Now, the larger sizes, I think double X and triple X, they're a little bit more. They're still discounted, but they're uh, a little bit more than the uh, small, medium, and large. So... Um, if you would, uh, if you could, uh, go over there, help support the podcast, and um, any, of course, any T-shirt that you purchase is appreciated. One other thing that I would like for you to do, if you do buy a T-shirt, please take a picture of yourself wearing the T-shirt and post it over on the uh, the Facebook group page. Um, that would be super awesome. I'd I'd really appreciate that. Um, That'd be great. And if you've already purchased one in the past, if you wouldn't mind taking a picture of yourself wearing the T-shirt, that'd be awesome. So, um, again, the site is magichistorian.com to get your T-shirts. And the sale price will be up for um, for the month of October. So that'd be great. I mentioned earlier that I have a huge announcement coming soon. So stay tuned for that. It does involve Houdini if I'm able to get all this put together. If not, I may have to save it for next year, but I really want to do something with it this year. So stay tuned. That means that uh, the first episode of season six is going to show up a little sooner than normal. So um, I'm excited about that. That, my friends, is going to do it for this episode of the Magic Detective Podcast. I'm Dean Carnegie. I am magic detective thank you for listening i really do appreciate it please be well stay safe and don't forget to get your t-shirts at magichistorian.com and i will talk to you very very soon